We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. To the effect of they used to push me and drive me a little bit, and she said that just kind of drove me away. And she said, but I've been thinking, I've been praying, I'm ready to live for God. Will you baptize me on Sunday? And so, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you, singers. Thank you, musicians. We're going to do something tonight. I really believe we are going to be able to teach and stay in that vein of teaching. You know I love to preach, and I'm not, I usually say, no, I probably won't be able to, but I think we're going to be all right tonight, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to do all I can to be in the uh, time slot that I've given myself. How many of you can listen fast? You can learn. If you can listen and learn fast, we'll be through here real quick. I've said it a lot. I'll say it again. I I walk through uh, Brookshire's, Walmart, Kroger, wherever, and there's a magazine rack there, and there's always three ways to do this and five ways to do that and ten ways to do this. And, and on and on and I just feel like the Lord has given me some some steps tonight it's going to be ten of them we'll make ten points we'll spend from about two to four minutes a piece on them and uh, if we don't get through them all then we'll come back another time Uh, but I want to talk to you tonight about this little thought ten steps to the best me ten steps to the best me and uh, the way everybody says we want the world to be a better place. If we're going to have a better world, we've got to start with a better me. Amen. We want our neighbor to do all the changing. We want our husband to do all the changing. We want our wife to do all the changing. So it can be better. But if we're really willing to be, to be the best and be a part of the best, then we'll do whatever that takes. And so I want you to pray with me now. We're not going to. We're not going to uh, stand tonight. We're going to break custom because after we read, we're going to go through uh, these verses and these settings together. So just pray with me now for a special anointing. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, we know your word is anointed. It's forever settled. It's infallible. It's perfect. I just thank you, Lord, for the word that you've given us as a roadmap to heaven and away from the bad things of this life and into healing, away from sickness, away from hate and pain and into joy. Just ask you to bless us. Let us hear your word, understand it, and respond to it. And let us be the best that we can be, Lord. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory. We declare that anointing in Jesus' matchless name. We pray, amen, amen, amen. Come on, love him with me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank you for your attendance tonight and all you do. It's not going to take us very long to realize that we're going to be reading the Ten Commandments. I just heard somebody go, oh, really? But you know what? I've done a very, very deep dive. I could come up with a fancy word maybe, but that's how I like to say it. 
And I don't believe that we understand historically really what the Ten Commandments mean and then how Jesus responded to those in the New Testament. Because he said, I didn't come to destroy the law, I come to fulfill the law. And so to everything he wanted to be a part of our New Testament experience and the new will and plan of God, he responded to that. He brought it over. He completed it. Somebody say, he didn't tear it down. He completed it. And so I'm going to share with you some things tonight, and I'm going to give you the meaning of each and every one of these, and we're going to have to listen quick to get all ten of them in. I don't have no pretty stories to tell you. I just want to go old school word for a little bit. Are you ready? The very first one is found in Exodus chapter number 20 and verse number 3. And the writer says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Notice that uh, this is the Old Testament. There's laws that are just being established for God's people, the rest of the world is uh, a nightmare. They don't follow any standard of living. They have a a lot of uh, very strange, maybe not all of them, but very strange lifestyles. They worship strange gods. And so the Lord starts with this one. Thou shalt not... Uh, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The meanings of gods, listen to this, rulers. If somebody rules over God... That's a problem. Rulers, judges, divine ones, or even angels. That's the meaning of gods. Or this, special works or special possessions of even that which I have given you. He said, if I've given you something and you make it where it's more important than I myself, even if I gave it to you, that blessing becomes a curse. And that blessing that I gave you becomes a God that's before me. And so we need to see that. No man, no works, no deeds of any other man, anything that supersedes God or God's orders is a God placed before him. We need to take that in the modern day that we live in with the assault on Christianity and our walk and our worship and our talk and and our stance on various subjects and issues. We need to recognize and realize no matter who they are or what they say, if it is contrary to the word of God, well, if it's contrary to the word of God, it's wrong. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 4 and 10. He said, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. There's nothing else. So Jesus carries this over. He brings this into the New Testament as the part of the new plan and the new hope and the new salvation. The second is in Exodus 20 and 4. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. This covers uh, really three things too for sure. Three time place and authority here's why we can't live for God spending our time creating things that then we're going to take the time that he gave us to deal with things we created when we're not creators did you get all that 
Some people say, well, that would be painting a picture. No, that's not what he's talking about. Somebody say, well, that's, a, that's an object in a, in a flower bed or, or that's any pretty on the wall. That's, no, that's not what that's talking about at all. He says, you're not creators. You don't have the time to make anything from the heaven, the earth, or below, and you don't have the authority to create anything that you can worship. You hear that? And so it's important that we understand where the Lord stands on this. Uh, there's, there's time that we take. There's place and the authority of the one and only creator. He said, I'm the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the first, the last, the author, the finisher of all things. And he says, and of your faith. Only he creates everlasting things. Only God has that authority. What did he say in the flesh of Jesus Christ in the New Testament? No idols. Idols, things that bring worship or such. You cannot have two masters according to Luke 16 and 13. Amen. You can't live as the creation and make a declaration as a creator. Oh, y'all didn't hear that, did you? Listen close, because we're, we're going to go here. The, the Number three is Exodus 20 and 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. This is pretty important right here, because I see this and I hear this more and more and more, and I learned something, that the, the word vain is a, is a very uh, comprehensive, it's a deep word, it covers a, a lot of things, it's a, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty wide word, and so let's just see what it says, the name. Uh, now known to us as Jesus Christ. He said, don't do anything that would bring vain to his name, to his reputation, his fame, his glory, his memorial, his monument. A memorial or monument includes, but it's not limited to the church, the house of God, the altar, his musical instruments, or anything dedicated to the service of worship. Somebody hear me right now. When we just piddle around and play church and this is not a special place and this is not a holy place and these are not important instruments and you just do what you want to do when you want to do it and just act like it's any other building at any other time. No, this place is dedicated to worship to one true holy God and he said if we do anything else that is in vain and we will be held accountable for such actions. Amen. Jesus responds to this in the flesh in New Testament. He says, do not make any vows on the things of God. Do not say by heaven or by God or by this or by that because heaven is God's throne according to Matthew 5 and 34. We don't have the power or the ability to swear by anything belonging to God. That defames his name. That ruins, or not ruins, but would intentionally ruin his reputation, which you cannot do. But it would make an effort to hurt the name and the people and the place of God. So I want to tell you, it's very, very important. I've heard people say things and, 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 it, and it's bothered me a whole, whole lot to, to hear people uh, certain types of curse words and stuff. And I used to not think too much about that because I said, well, they're just ignorant. They say God and they say it in all kinds of contexts, but that's not his name. So I said, well, that's not a big thing. But here's the fact. 
Jesus Christ is part of the image, is the image. Not part of, but he is the image of the unseen God. So when we begin to use God in profanity and use God in a way that it doesn't matter or or use it in cursings or in usings or amusings, whatever it may be, the Bible said that every person is going to be found none guiltless that take his name in vain. Anything connected to the Lord Jesus, the one true living Savior is holy and it's his and if we defame that we pay the price you know it gives a new meaning to wedding vows you know nowadays it's easy to come easy go if it don't work out it's all good hey we better be serious when we do something in the name of the Lord it better mean something to us It better have everlasting, pure meaning when we make any kind of a statement. Jesus' response is, do not make any vows on the things of God. Do not say it. He he says to us in Matthew 5 and 3, all of these things belong to God. Don't defame them. You won't get away with talking bad about anything connected to God. His church, His monument, His people, His children, His altar. Come on, everything up here is connected to holiness because why is it connected to holiness? Anything that's fully committed to God, that thing is holy. Uh, All right. The fourth one is Exodus 20 and 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This this has been such a big debate. Matter of fact, I was talking to somebody today and and uh, they, they made a statement about somebody that was a Sabbath keeper. And I thought, well, okay. And so uh, it was interesting because I already had this uh, message uh, going and, and all but a few uh, notes made uh, and definitions. And so that kind of struck a chord with me. And so I said, well, I, I want to see exactly. There's so much about Saturday and Sunday and Monday. And, and did Jesus die on Friday? Because we said it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. But if he's in the ground three days and three nights, he couldn't have been killed on Friday. Had to have been a Thursday. We've had it wrong. Maybe he rose up on Monday. Maybe he rose on Sunday. Well, let me just tell you what the Sabbath is. Are you ready? Here's what the Sabbath is. It's a day of atonement. It's a day in the New Testament of repentance and forgiving. It is a day that is set aside for holy worship under the one true living God with nothing else that matters scheduled on that day. Hey, here's what I'm going to tell you. This is why I'm against ball practice on Sunday. Some people just live for the next ball game and the next football and the next soccer. I want to tell you, if we can't even give God one single day of our life, here's what he said. You better remember that there's a day that better be dedicated to me. I dedicated a day to myself called a day of rest, and I am an endless, timeless, never-dying, immortal God. You mortals better at least give me one day that's about me. 
Too many people are making their church schedule around their work schedule. Sometimes it can't be changed. But I want to tell you, God will bless you if you'll say, this is a day that's holy. I put this aside for his worship. I put this aside to rest my body and to spend time with my family and worship my Savior. Come on, there's times you can't help it. I, I truly, I, I know, I understand that God is a God of fairness and he's a God of judgment. That means he's a God of balance. He gets it. But he don't get it every Sunday. Well, here's Jesus' response to this in the flesh and the commandment of the New Testament. He said the Sabbath is made to meet the needs of the people. Listen to this. The Sabbath is made to meet the needs of the people and not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Jesus said that. Where did he say it? He said in Mark 27 and 28. So many people have tried to hold churches and people and congregations down to, well, it's Saturday. You have to do it today. It's Sunday. You have to do it today. The Lord said today it's not what's in charge. The day serves the man, not the man the day. So you pick the day. You want to serve him on Wednesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever it is, you call it holy. You make sure it's dedicated to me and to nothing else, and I'll bless it. Somebody said, oh, I don't know if them people can go to heaven going to church on Saturday. If they've dedicated Saturday as their holy day, and they've repented and been baptized and filled with the Spirit, who are you to tell them what day they're worshiping wrong on? Well, that's what Jesus said. He said the man don't serve the day, the day serves the man. So the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. Mark 27, 28. This commandment does not force a certain day on the New Testament church. It did in the Old Testament. So anybody wants to argue with you and debate with you, well, you know, really, the Sabbath is on Saturday. Good for you. Go read all your Bible. Jesus came and completed those laws. He didn't tear them down. He completed them. He said the only reason there was ever a day set aside is so that it could serve the man. It's just to give you a time frame. It gives you a point to come in contact with one another in a holy time, in a holy place at the same time. You know, this is not in my notes, but it pops in my head right now. I remember going with my mother to Gibson's, which is now Brookshire's in Terrell. If you didn't know that, Big Lots across the way used to be Kroger, and Brookshire's was a place called Gibson's. And we went there shopping, and I liked it, but I hated to go on Sunday because back then it was the blue law. I seen that Hot Wheel boy, my old heart would go... You know, there's a brand new 68 GTO or Challenger or Camaro or I can't say Mustang because I'm not a Ford guy. But, you know, I would see that in the, I'd see that in the, in the Hot Wheels section. And I'd go over there and there'd be a sticker on it that was blue. And I said, what does that blue mean? And they said, well, you can't buy no alcohol. You can't buy no liquor. You can't buy no toys. You can't buy certain supplies unless it's consumable and perishable. You can't buy it on a Sunday. Folks, 
Our nation, people said, oh, in the last few years, this, this just went down. No, it went down a long time ago. I'm not saying it's a bad place, and I'm not degrading our nation. Don't misunderstand me. I'm talking about the root of our morals. Many, many years ago when somebody said, well, I'm going to just sign in the law that it don't matter Sunday. I mean, you know, and then it wasn't long. You could go buy a beer, and I don't know if you can now, but it won't be long if you can't already. You'll be, uh, the liquor stores will be up on Sunday. Are they? Oh, I thought somebody said they already are. I wasn't going to ask how you knew. <laughs> it's fun. I know you drive by them a lot. I get it. I used to cash my checks at them, and the Lord delivered me from that. Many years ago when I was working in not construction but destruction, I'd go cash my check at the liquor store and, and spend a little maybe while I was there. And the Lord delivered me from both. But here's what I want us to understand. It's easy just to start saying old things don't matter. You know, it won't matter. Football's only 17, 18, 19, 22 weeks counting the Super Bowl. You know, if I stay home. and I mean, you know, nowadays I can DVR church just like I can the game. So I watch a game live and, and watch church at home. No, you may go straight to hell. If it's important, all but them 16 or 20 weeks. You need an altar. Hey, I like, a, I like a good linebacker popping a wide receiver across the middle as good as anybody. But not before Jesus. Come on, hear what I'm telling you. It's important that we have a day that says this right here. This is the day the Lord hath made. I've set it aside to rejoice and I'll be glad in him and I'll be glad in it and it'll be holy and I'll be there and it'll be the most important thing in my life. It will serve a purpose. Well, that's hard. Well, hang on. There might be one or two worse. Number five is found in 20 and 12 of Exodus. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The word honor means in a good sense. Their words and actions should be heavy. When mom and daddy tell you something, it ought to mean something. You ought to learn from wisdom. You ought to learn from past failures, from past successes, from past mistakes. Son, that won't work. I can hear my mother and my dad saying it. I just don't think that's going to work out. But it ought to be weighty. It ought to even be grievous to the soul when it contradicts our spirit because many times wisdom of age and time knows. Come on. He said those words are rich. They are to be honored. They're glorious and sometimes burdensome when they contradict our own desires. But still, they are to be honored. See, y'all were with me. So don't go away, don't go away now because I'm going to give you the second side of this. And here's what it means. What is thy days being long? It means simply prolonged and life added. And I'm not talking about because mom or daddy beat you to death. I'm going to tell you something now. My mother would have a 30-year flat sentence. (laughs) 
I'd have been with an aunt or an uncle or in foster care or some home somewhere. Because here's how mama used to whoop us. You know, back then she had them fingernails that come out. They was only about that long, but they was thick and strong. She could whoop a cat with them things. I mean, and she'd get me up under the sweet meat of my left arm because she was right-handed and start hitting me with that belt. And it wasn't none of this. Now, you, you, you lay over the couch here and, and mommy's going to hit you three times and I'm going to hug you and love you and we're going to snot together and it'll be better, okay? It wasn't nothing like that. She got that belt and she started whipping it. When I started running, it'd be from my shoulder blade to the bottom of my calf muscle. I have stripes raised up that far. And she didn't whip me until she thought I had six or seven stripes and it was good enough. I felt like Jesus a lots of times. I said, come on, one more, you gotta kill me by law. Stop. I remember one time my oldest brother ran from her. Ran across the street. She said, well, he'll be home after a while. He came in, pop, 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 pop. Then he got 6'2", and he looked at her and said, I ain't never going to do that. So she just unrolled it and got him with the buckle. Right on the elbow. And he went right straight and took the trash out and never said nothing else. I remember like it was yesterday. Somebody hear me. When mama and daddy talks, it's important to listen. The young people I'll be tuned in right now, I'll tell you. It's important because your life will be exposed. Expended, extended. Yeah, yeah, that one. That's what he says, but watch this. Here's what Jesus says in the New Testament, though, concerning this in Matthew 10 and 37. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. He brings it on. He says, you love them. You let it carry weight. But when they start coming between you and me, Oh, what does that mean? Don't mean that means it don't matter how how deep the family ties are. You know, people say, "Well, I'm gonna lose my family if I live for the Lord." If that's all it means to you, He said you're not worthy of being called His. That seems so harsh, Pastor. No, it's an elevation. The Lord is saying, hey, there's going to be one God. There's going to be one house. There's going to be a day. There's going to be some rules. You are going to have a certain standard of living if you plan on going to heaven and being the best you. I don't know very many adults that say I got, I got whipped too much when I was young. But the prisons are full that didn't have a father figure. And ran for mama, stayed in the roads, and said, if I'd had somebody there to correct me, I probably wouldn't be here today. It's important. It's important. Exodus 20 and 13, thou shalt not kill. That seems pretty straightforward. It means to murder, premeditated as an avenger, with intentional being a participant. That means murder or an accessory to it. Help plan it. He says don't do it. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 22 about it. If you're even angry with somebody, if you even got reason, you're not subject to be the judge. Come on. I like it. 
Number seven is found in Exodus 20 and 14. Thou shalt not commit adultery. A man or a woman to lay with someone else's spouse as if they were in a holy union or married. Jesus' response to that in the New Testament is anyone who even looks at a woman with lust in his heart has already committed adultery. Okay, so let's talk about it a little bit. I'm not going to say the word. I'm going to just be real cool and try to slide by this right here. But those websites, I'll have husbands and wives come in sometime. Sometime it's her, sometime it's him. Many times they hadn't even been a part of this church. They want an opinion. They want an idea. I don't know who's done what. And they say, what do you think about this right here? And I say, here's what the Bible said. If I can look at that woman on the, on the phone, on the computer, on the TV, walking down the street, walking through the mall, and I can have her undressed in my mind and already be thinking... The Bible said, I've already fallen into sin. Well, you're not really doing anything. That's not what the Bible says. Here's what we got to learn. If we can't control our eyes, we can't control our mind. If we can't control our mind, we won't be able to control our body. If we can't control our body, it won't be long. We'll be in the act of adultery. Physically, not just spiritually, mentally, or emotionally. So here's what you do. You abstain from all that. If you look at it and the thought crosses your mind, oh my, that's when you say, Jesus, I need you right now because the enemy would try to steal my moment and cause me to sin. Well, that didn't go very far, did it? It's still good. He said, if you look committed adultery in your heart once you've conceived that lust number 8 is Exodus 20 and 15 how many marriages would be saved how many How many? let me just stop right there just, just, just hang on if we don't even get to the rest of them how many boys and girls would sleep under the roof of mom and dad if just that commandment how many prison cells would be empty with mom and dad in the house? How many people wouldn't be wondering who they are or what they are or trying to figure out how they will identify if that was just followed? A better world starts with the best me. Come on, if every individual was the best me, we'd have the best society to live in. Oh, well... Number 8, 20 and 15, thou shalt not steal. To intentionally take without asking, we know that, with the purpose of never returning. To borrow with permission and have no plan of returning. I've got some friends and family like that. I knew when I loaned it, I'd never see it again. The Bible defines that as theft. Well, we just borrowed them tables from the church eight years ago. Uh-huh. They've been out in the yard and they're rusting and falling apart. So go buy four new ones and bring them back and repent to the Lord. Don't tell me about it. Just bring them back. And the chairs. And the speaker. And the ping pong paddles. (laughs) Jesus responded to this in the New Testament. Here's what he said. He said, if you're sued in court and you lose your shirt... Just turn around and give them your coat. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I can take care of it all. If you'll make sure you're right in your spirit and in your heart, I will tend to your needs. 
I've heard people just be real, real hard, and you, you can uh, emotionally crucify me, as they say, for this. If you want to, it's fine. It's not, a, it's not a big deal. I still love you, and I still disagree with you. And it's okay to have, uh, to, to, to have a, a little uh, discourse. I mean, it's okay to be a little different in some areas, but I, I'll never forget, I hadn't been here, hadn't been back in Terrell very long, so this is probably 11 years ago, maybe, Something like that. Call came in the night from the police department, and they had caught a guy. Just right before I came, five or six of the air conditioning units had been stolen before the cages were built around them. And, and uh, so here, uh, now I'd been here just a little while, and the insurance was giving uh, some flack about our insurance and our coverage, and there was a lot of things going on. And so, you know, I was mad about it. I hate the spirit of a thief. I love the thief. But I hate the spirit of a thief. I, I think if you want it, you ought to work for it. And that's, that's, it's just that simple. And so, call came. There's a guy out here beside the gym. He's caught. He's got his pliers in one hand and a cut-off tool laying on the ground. Police happened to be driving by and just saw this guy out here hitting us again. But what made me mad is this time he had his 10-year-old son holding the flashlight for him. And he said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, all he's done is cut some wires and this and that. And, you know, this little 10-year-old boy here, I don't know really what to do. And all of a sudden, the police said, hey, we saw it. And so you don't have an option. We found it. We're going to report it. They took the guy to jail. And about two years later, we started getting a check from the guy every month. It was, it was restitution, and he didn't steal anything. Tore some stuff up. But, see, here's what I want to tell you. It's about $40 a month for just a few months. But somebody, somebody hear me right now. This is, this is important because you, you can't take what you won't work for. You know, this, this goes to living above our means. Let me, let me meddle around in your billfold a minute right here. It's easy to go to that nice restaurant and sign that card knowing that when you max all those out, you're going to file bankruptcy again. Because you said when you sign that card, I certify or I promise or ever what their policy is that I will pay Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discovery when the bill comes. If you intentionally go out and max out a bunch of cards because you know that you're not going to pay it, folks, I hate to tell you, but you're a thief. I hope that don't come as a big shock. But when we try to keep up with one another, well, well, they got a new car, they built a new house, and then all of a sudden you get to a point you can't support nothing, you need help feeding your children, but you got $2,000 worth of car notes and house note, and, and come on, and you can't feed yourself, something's wrong with that picture. How can we teach our children not to stay in that kind of debt when our nation is in $30 trillion debt? Somebody's got to speak up. Where's it going to come from? It's got to come from pulpits and spirit-filled teachers that'll go back to teaching old economics and say, you can't spend more than you make. Well, thank you. I like this next one. 
I like them all. I like this one. Number 9, Exodus 20 and 16. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Oh, this is fixing to get for real serious. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. The word false means untruth or implication by sham. You know, you can lie on a person and never open your mouth without a text, without an email, you know. I can have this guy, my friend, Brother Joe, who's friends with Brother Carl, and we'll just put in a pretend situation here. Hey, what do you think about that guy? Is he any good? That's it. You just ruined that guy. Never said a word. Don't trust him. Don't let him borrow your car. Don't let him near your wife. Don't let him walk your dog. Don't let him see the numbers on your credit card. Why? Folks, you ain't got to say anything to abuse your neighbor. So I wonder, I wonder what neighbor was because neighbor is neighborhood. Neighbor is our friend. The word neighbor right here means other people or fellow man. All you got to do is be on social media 12 seconds and you can find every bad business in town. Bible said don't do that. You're never going to catch me on there with, with a bunch of people watching me saying, I'll tell you what, now I like this one restaurant, but they got this one waitress. I'm telling you, that, oh, George, he's terrible. It's not going to happen. That guy, might've, he might have just lost his parent. He might have had an accident on the way to work. His job might be in the balance. He might be doing all he can do. I'll go to eat with people that fuss and cuss and act like idiots one time. One time, if I'm embarrassed, one time, you ain't getting another call. It's that simple, and I will be busy. Why? Because I'm trying to win those people. There's not a restaurant in this town that I don't know. There might be one or two new ones, but I don't know somebody that knows who I am and what I do and the kindness will be there and I'll tip them and I'll clean up my mess when I leave and they'll be glad to have served me. Why? Because it's important that I treat my neighbor right. It's important. Come on. Neighbor, another person. Jesus responds to this in the New Testament, Matthew 12 and 36, this way. You're going to give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. Notice the word idle right there. Nothing's moving. Bible said that a, a sly man, a cool guy, a guy that wants to sin in privacy, one, well, one commentary says, said he'll just wink. See a good guy? Come on. The Bible said you're going to pay for every word you spoke, even idle words. Words, you, you're going you're to meet those at judgment. I'm scared sometimes of people that know everything. Because if you know everything, you're bound to lose some details somewhere. And those details might destroy a family. I, my my mother-in-law, she, she's a, uh, she was a chain smoker for many years. 
The Lord delivered her, and she's, she's been gone on for a long time, left this world ready and saved and sanctified and delivered, and, and we were happy about that. But her and my mother from a, a distance had a, had a similar look, and their, their hairstyle was similar. And, and she was bound up by, by, by cigarettes for many, many years. And, and, and here's, here's my take on it. Somebody, somebody's asking me about a lot of different things. Is this sin? Is this sin? Is this sin? Well, I could go into a lot of reasons things are sin or things are not sin, but here's the question. Do you have it or does it have you? If you have it and you can just stop, that might be one thing. But if it has you, that's probably another. It controls you instead of you controlling it. There's the first draw right there. And then after that, there's some more stuff. But that's the first one. I'll never forget. I got a phone call. And I had just been elected to something, either assistant pastor or co-pastor. I don't remember what. But I got a call from somebody in town that said, I did not know your mother was a smoker. And I said, she's not. And I said, you, you must be talking about my, my, my mother-in-law. And they said, oh, no, it was your mother. We saw her right there at the Ford's Food Center, standing out by the car smoking. I said, y'all, my mother is not a smoker. Yeah, because she got right into her van. I said, like I said, you was talking about my mother-in-law. I wondered how many other people they had already called. Oh, the pastor over at Sandy Lake, his, his wife, she's a, she's a, she looks like a train coming down the tracks. You know, because that's how people are. It's news. You know what news is, don't you? I told you one time before. But news, see the world, all these uh, news corporations, they don't know what news is. News is new, plural. All the news. So when you watch something over and over and over and over and over and the next guy tells the same story and the next lady tells the same story and the next guy, that's not news. That's olds. News is something breaking. It's happening now, at the moment. We've been in an olds cycle for 10 years now. We ain't heard nothing new in a long time. But I wonder, I wonder, don't bear false witness. That's untruth or implication by sham. A sham, that's the look or the shrug of the shoulders or a, you decide, you know. That's, that's, that's you doing it without doing it. Jesus said you're going to give an account for doing that even without doing that. Come on, hear me. Every single church would be full. It is my belief. You couldn't build enough roof space and parking space for the people that somebody talked about in some church and they were turned off to church because somebody I had a revelation on this I had a man that done me 
very wrong many years ago, many, many years ago. I was virtually a child. Young adult would be a better term. Just, he didn't know me. Just really, really, really set out to hurt me. Years later, walking into an event. I was getting ready to go in and it was in a it was a wasn't a church service, but it was an event where I would be speaking. And there was people getting me set up to, to go in and speak to this congregation that was waiting to hear what I had to say on the subject. Again, it wasn't church. And as I was about to walk in, they started playing some music and they had a presentation on the wall and there were some things going on in this big auditorium where these people were sitting. And I was getting ready to go in. I was nervous. My hands are sweating. My ears are red like they are now from them headsets. They're still like they're on fire. And uh, out of the corner of my eye, I saw someone coming as I was walking in. And immediately the Holy Ghost hit me. He said, you need to ask that man to forgive you. And I said, do what? He said, you need to ask that man to forgive you because you've held this all these years and it's stunted your growth. It's affected you and you don't even know it until now. You go. I turned to walk and the lady that was heading up the event said, sir, it's, it's time. You, you, you're up next to speak and uh, they're waiting on you. And I said, ma'am, I need two minutes. She said, you don't have two minutes. And I said, make me two minutes. And she didn't like that too much and I didn't care any more than she liked it. I wasn't being ugly about it. I just know the Holy Ghost had spoke to me. Walked up and shook his hand and said, how you doing, sir? And he said, well, uh, he took a big deep breath and a swallow. And he said, doing good, doing good. I said, I'm going to tell you something. I want you to know that I forgive you for anything you ever done or ever said about me that you did not know whether it was true or untrue. I want you to forgive me for holding that against you and then any way that I responded towards you would have been ungodly because I'm not the judge and I want you to know whether you repent or not you are forgiven for anything on my end and the guy broke down and just wept right there and he said I'm so 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 sorry and I never dreamed the day would come that I feel the relief that I feel right now. See, what I didn't know 20, 25 years maybe earlier is that while I could sit there and say he's a liar and he don't know nothing about me and everything he's saying is untrue and anybody that's feeding him information is a part of the story, while I could say that and I could say it in honesty and purity, it wasn't affecting me that I knew of. But what I didn't realize is I was being held back from things because I was holding on to things. 
And the Bible said if you want to be forgiven, then you forgive those who've wrongfully treated you. See, some people are going to have a hard time being blessed until you just forgive. Do you have to trust again? No. You ain't got to loan them no more money. You ain't got to give them another ride. You don't have to do nothing else for them. Be neighborly, but you got to forgive them. Oh, here we go. The last one, 20 and 17. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maid servant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. I could go down the line here and I could tell you what all these things mean. His wife, we know what that is. His manservant, that's any employees or any business that he has done. Or his maidservant, that would be any woman in that same capacity of work or business. His ox, in the modern translation, his ox would mean his car, his transportation. His pulling power, his ability, his ass. This would also mean transportation in a different place. This could mean a different type of transportation, a little more nimble, a little, a little quicker. Nor anything that is thy neighbor's. If I look at that thing, covet, to desire, to have, or take a mental pleasure in the thought thereof. I want that. I deserve that more than him. I should be the one with the business. I should be the one with the nice car. I should be the one with the jet skis and the boats and the swimming pool. I should be the one that's got a deer lease north and south. I should. No, you should be the one that works and pays for what you can afford and keep your commitments to the house. That's what you deserve. That's, this is the path you chose. You chose not to go to school 10 years. You chose not to go to Votech. You chose. That's why you're where you're at. This is the path you chose. I'd love to make as much money as Sister Sophia. I do, I do covet her grandchildren, though. In case you don't know, we share grandchildren. Listen to this last little thing. Here's Jesus' response to that in Luke 12 and 15. Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Oh. Let me close with this. He said, beware of every kind of greed. What is greed? A lot of times greed is looking for an opportunity to take advantage of someone else's struggles. That's the finest biblical definition of greed. Oh, you're in trouble. You're going to lose everything you've got unless you get $1,000 today. Here's what I'll do. I'll give you $1,000 a day and you give me back $2,000 tomorrow. Wait a minute. Okay, interest is fair. If you're making interest, interest is fair. That's fair. That's business. Nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, because I see you hurting and you need me so bad that I'm going to get you later. I'm going to help these old people now because they're going to die and they'll put me in their will. That's greed. You go to hell over that. Ooh. 
I'm going to take advantage. I'm going to take advantage of every situation. The Bible calls that greed. I'm not talking about being a good businessman or a good businesswoman. I'm talking about taking advantage of a situation above and beyond what's fair and what's right. If we could get a hold of these 10 things. Oh, they're so outdated. They're 6,000 years old. But Jesus brought them to the New Testament and added to them and completed them. And I want to tell you something. The 10 commandments were not 10 suggestions. They were not 10 what ifs. They were 10 commandments. And what could happen? Couldn't we be the very, very best version of ourself if we could just line up with that imagine if you were happy imagine if you didn't worry about what anybody else had nobody else's and I say this in fun because I don't use the term nobody else's old lady or old man matters I don't use the term that's, 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 that's just for fun's sake now, what, what they drive is their business what they live in is their business how deep a debt they're in that, that, that's up to them if they get to retire early hey None of that matters. You be the best you that you can be and you will be happy with you. I've been in this 27 years and there's some guys that have jumped up and been in ministry three or four years. Got big buildings and seven, eight thousand people call it home, two or three thousand in attendance. Come on, Lord, I've been faithful. What's the deal? You be the best you. That's all you're called to be. You're not called to be anybody else but the best you. I want us to stand. I know that we're probably not going to run to the altar and may not be anybody decide to be baptized tonight and I may not be able to write that down and take a little pride in, in that fact, spiritual pride that someone else went down in Jesus' name. But here's what I'm going to tell you. After the waters of baptism have dried. After the moving of repentance at an altar has left you. And the scum and the slime of the earth. You hear it. You hear it in music. You see it on the television of every break room. You hear it playing day in, day out. Maybe it's even, uh, you have to come in contact with it because of your industry. When you are the best you, you will begin to change your immediate society. I share this story with you 40 minutes in. Isn't that right? Am I at 40 minutes right now? I'm, I'm happy with that. Watch this. There's a group of guys. It's 11 or 12 of workers on a shift. And I hadn't been talking to these guys couple of them the other day and really only one of them's talking but they're there you know and and one says about the other one we can't have a whole whole lot of fun on our shift because of that guy what's a lot of fun well, if we're out of town or when nobody knows where we're at, we can't chase women. We can't go to the certain kinds of clubs that we want to go to. 
can't act like we want. He's just an old stick in the mud. You know what that lets me know? One person is influencing what 11 do, say, go, watch, look at, and consume. Maybe the Bible talks about one puts a thousand to flight and two ten thousand. What could a whole church of the best me? If you could affect the ten people that are the closest to you, how quick would the church affect the world? So I'm just going to challenge you. Follow those commandments. Be the best you. Let's be the best church. Let's love everybody. I don't care who they are or how they were raised. I know people that are one kind of religion that just trash out somebody else. I like the old song that says, you can call yourself a Baptist, not be born again. A Presbyterian or a Methodist and still die in your sin. You can even be a Pentecostal, shout and dance and jump a pew. But if you hate your brother, you won't be one of the chosen few. That didn't say, hee-haw, we're all going to make it. Because the Bible said you're going to repent and you're going to be baptized in His name. You'll be filled with His Spirit. But I'm going to tell you something. He's not bound to a day. He's not bound to a sign. He's not bound to a color, a creed, a culture, a religion. He's not bound. Anywhere the Holy Ghost is allowed to move, He will move. Let's don't even sing a go-away song. How about that? Let's just pray together. Let me ask you before we do that. How many of you want to be the very, very best version of you that you can be? How many of you want to influence your children and your grandchildren with positive thinking and positive actions? You want to be a good husband, a good wife, a good mother, grandmother, father, grandfather. Want to be, want to be the very best on your job. I know a lot of you that have had influence just before we pray, but let me just say, Sister Sneed, You've had influence. You've had influence. I know you give all the credit to the Lord. And it should belong to Him. But if you had enough. I got meetings with people this coming week. That's talking about getting married. But they only want to do it right. Because of you. And I could talk about many of you. I could talk about many of you. But that's just one that comes to mind today. Be the best you. The world wants what you have when you're happy with you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you for your people. I thank you for this family that I get to call my own, that I'm a part of, that I get to serve with. Just ask you, Lord, to touch us. Let us, let us be the best life point church we can be. We, we, we wish success on every other church in our town, in our community, no matter what they believe. If they don't have the truth, we pray the whole truth over their congregation. We pray a real acts revival happens in their churches, in their pulpits, in their baptistries. We hope they reach out for the things they don't understand. Lord, we know that that'll happen when we are the best we can be. We don't look down on anybody. We're neighborly to everybody. We love as we want to be loved. Just ask you to continue to move us with this message. Don't let it fall here, but let it go on and do a work that you promised it would do. Let it touch someone, maybe someone that watched tonight, someone in another city, state, or even another nation across the world that's struggling. Learn to be the best 
version of themselves. Give you all the praise and all the glory. Bless us coming and going. Keep a hand of protection on us like you always have. Touch us and touch our children. Lord, we're looking forward to Sunday. We'll give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we declare it done. Amen. 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 Amen.